Say Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and I'm very excited to be back with our third format of the show that we have recently added to the podcast. Games like Mario Brothers, Joust, and of course Galaga had small mini-games built in to give its players a quick change of pace during the game to keep things interesting. So that's what this is. A short version of the podcast that we can release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. No prizes, no ranks, just a quick mini game to satisfy the nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to help save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest host segment of the show. More on that in a moment. But for now, let's get right to the game that we call Who Will Save Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we have a special guest host take over the show and quiz me for five questions. If you can get more correct than I can, then you are invited to use our website voicemail system, email, or social media to mock me endlessly. Is that right, judges? They get to make fun. Okay, they get to make fun of me. Or better yet, Use that voicemail to call in and take over as host for a moment and ask me a trivia question that we can use on an upcoming episode. Just go to our website and click on the blue microphone icon and leave us a trivia question. It's 100% free to use, and we would love to hear your voice on the show. Even if you leave us just one question, that would be rad. But you're welcome to ask us as many as you would like. Two hours later. So let's get going and save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one today is a game called Second Guessing. In this game, you must guess the title and artist to a popular Gen X song, but you will only get to listen to one second of the song. The judges have selected a recognizable one-second clip of some part of a song for you to listen to, so it's not necessarily the first second of the song, but it could be. There are five songs in total, and you will be awarded one point for artist and one point for title, for a total of ten points available in the round. I'll play each clip twice, and then give me your answer. Song one is from 1983, and Google tells me that it is a pop rock song. One more time. Got it? Here's the reveal. That song is called Modern Love, and it is, of course, by David Bowie. That is a David Bowie song. Fun fact, David Bowie re-recorded this song along with Tina Turner for a Pepsi commercial whose storyline was an homage to the movie Weird Science. It's weird to think that we now live in a world that does not have either of these two icons in it any longer. We're getting old. Song two is from 1986, and it is a political pop rock song. Here's one second of it. One more listen. 
Got it? Here's the reveal. That is a song called Land of Confusion by the band Genesis. Fun fact for this one. I don't know if you remember the video for this song or not, but it was quite memorable and featured puppets with exaggerated features of the band and other notable celebrities of the 80s. Phil Collins saw a caricature puppet version of himself on a British TV show called Spitting Image. I'm sure our two British listeners remember that one. And he commissioned the show's creator, Peter Fluck. Uh, Peter Fluck. Judges, you don't have to bleep out his name. It's Peter F-L-U-C-K. Fluck. Ah. You know what, judges? I'm just going to keep going. Fluck you. He commissioned Fluck to create puppets of the entire band, as well as all the characters in the video. One of the most watched shows of the 80s in Great Britain, Spitting Image would often make fun of Genesis on the show. And by hiring their tormentors, the band proved that they could take a joke. This resulted in a unique and memorable music video starring dozens of caricature puppets. This also resulted in a very expensive music video to make. Each puppet cost about $10,000 to make, and there were over 60 puppets in the video. Adjusted for inflation, today that would cost over $1.6 million just for the puppets alone in the video. Here's song three. It's from 1982, and it is a rock song according to Google. Listen to this one-second clip of it. And one more listen. Got it? Here's the reveal. The song is called More Than This and is by the band Roxy Music. Fun fact, in the music video, you see lead singer Brian Ferry sit down in a movie theater to watch the band performing the song on the big screen. The movie theater is appropriate because they took their name from a local cinema, but what is not appropriate is how bad the editing is on this video. As soon as Ferry turns his head to watch the performance, he sits unmoving for the rest of the video as if he's frozen in place. The reason for this is because he was frozen in place. The image of Ferry is just a still of him sitting superimposed on the foreground, and he can be seen jutting back and forth abruptly in between the loop segments of the still. If this does not seem like a very fun fact, that's because we had a difficult time finding any. There's not more than this. The next song is from 1980, and according to Google, it is an alternative indie song, I guess. Give me the artist and title of this popular song. And here's your last listen one more time. Got it? Here's the reveal.
The song, of course, is Once in a Lifetime by the great Talking Heads, a band that made music for Generation X. Lead singer David Byrne said of the song, quote, Most of the words in Once in a Lifetime come from evangelists I recorded off the radio while taking notes and picking up phrases I thought were interesting. End quote. Byrne not only incorporated sermon-like phrases for the lyrics, but he also mixed in the tones and dramatic pauses of a sermon and used that motif for the message of the song. As Gen Xers age, we might find ourselves asking these kinds of big questions, addressing existential crisis and the unconscious monotony of our middle-aged lives. And looking back on our lives, wondering about the life experiences we've had that have led us to where we currently are. David Byrne said of the song, quote, We operate half awake or on autopilot and end up whatever, with a house and a family and a job and everything else. And we haven't really stopped to ask ourselves, how did I get here? And you may ask yourself, how do I work this? And you may ask yourself, where is that large automobile? And you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful house. And you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful wife. And our last song of the episode is a slight curveball. Instead of artisan title, you need to just identify what TV theme song this last one is for. Early to ride. And here's your second listen. Early to ride. Got it? Here's the reveal. Early to ride. Early to bed. Between I cooked and cleaned and went out of my head. There's a new After talking about song four and contemplating our choices that lead to having an existential crisis, we thought we'd change up the tone a little bit and play a song about a TV show that features a widow who moves with her young son to start life over again. But when her car breaks down and she is forced to take a low-paying job at a roadside diner in the middle of the desert for an extremely hairy, misogynistic, overbearing boss and an undiagnosed co-worker who is prone to fits of rage. Kiss my grits! <laughs> there, now that we got a little pick-me-up, let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two of this episode is our spotlight trivia round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. But as always, our pity point rule is in effect, and that will score you one point for your partial correct answer. If you feel good about scoring points that way. It's up to you and your conscience. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck! The spotlight topic for this episode is the 1984 romantic action-adventure film Romance in the Stone. The film follows a romance novelist named Joan Wilder. Joan Wilder? The Joan Wilder? Yes, the Joan Wilder. Who must venture beyond her New York City comfort zones to Columbia in order to save her sister from criminals who are holding her for ransom as they search for a priceless treasure in South America. Question number one. Elaine is the sister of Joan who is kidnapped by Ira and Ralph in the film. But they are not the main antagonists of the movie. What is the name of the corrupt Colombian military man who chased Joan throughout the movie trying to get the treasure map? Question number two. The treasure in the movie is a large heart-shaped emerald which is called out by name on the map. What is the name of the emerald that is found inside the heart of the bunny statue in the South American cave? Question number three. 
Joan causes a bus crash by distracting the bus driver trying to speak English to him. For some reason, even though she already knows he does not speak English from an earlier scene. Stranded after her bus crash, Joan Wilder. The Joan Wilder? Yes, the Joan Wilder. Jeez. As I was saying, stranded after her bus crash, the Joan Wilder meets up with a brash, rugged American bird hunter named Jack T. Colton. His collection of exotic birds get loose in the crash and fly away, leaving him broke. He agrees to help Joan get to a telephone for a price. What does Jack tell her is his minimum price for taking a stranded lady to a telephone? Is it A, $150? B, $375? C, $400? Or is it D, $69? 69, dudes! Dollars. Question number four. Looking to find assistance to get them to Cartagena, Jack and Joan get information that a wealthy man in a small village has a car. Turns out this man is really a drug lord who was a fanboy of Joan Wilder. <clears throat> a fanboy of Joan Wilder. Oh, really, judges? You play the Joan Wilder clip every time I say it, and then I give you the sound clip set up in context and you blow it? Jeez. Anyway, this drug lord says he owns a mule, which turns out to be a 4x4 truck. What is the name of his... Vision Wilder? Oh, come on now! <sighs> Are you finished? Here's the question. What is the name of his, quote, little mule? Is it A, Paco? B, Pepe? C, Pablo? D, Pedro? Or is it E... El Wapo. And finally, question number five. In the scene where they find shelter from the rain by hiding in a wrecked aircraft, they eat olives, drink aged whiskey, and get a contact high from making a fire from several kilos of weed. However, what seems to alter Jack T. Colton the most is when he reads an old issue of Rolling Stone magazine that informs him that a popular band has just recently broken up, illustrating how long he's been collecting birds in the jungle. What is the name of the band that broke up in the issue of Rolling Stone magazine? Is it A, the Doobie Brothers? B, the Beatles? C, Led Zeppelin? D, Pink Floyd? Or is it E, New Kids on the Block? We've been together for a long time, baby. Do you have to leave? Just can't live without you. So listen to me. Now that you had a little time to think about the questions, here are the answers. Question one What is the name of the corrupt Colombian military man who chased Joan throughout the movie? Colonel Zolo is the correct answer. We don't get to know much about this character other than he likes cigars, stiletto knives, and can't recognize a wanted man who looks like Danny DeVito despite all the wanted posters hanging on his office walls. He is literally not much more than a mustache twirling bad guy, but he was still a very scary dude in the movie. Question two, what is the name of the emerald found inside the heart of the bunny statue in the South American cave? If you speak Spanish, then you could easily pick up on the clues that we gave you Listed on the map that folds into the shape of a heart as well, the name of the gym is El Corazon. That's Spanish for the heart. With a name like The Heart, you would think it would be a ruby, but who am I to criticize? Question three. What does Jack tell Joan is his minimum price for taking a stranded lady to a telephone? 
The correct answer is B, $400. My minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is $400. Will you take $375 in traveler's checks? American Express? Of course. Not a deal. It's a good thing Joan didn't get her traveler's checks through Discover Card, or else she would have been screwed. Question four. What is the name of his little mule? Not a mate, not, not. The correct answer is... They told you I had a car? They're such comedians. They made my little mule. Pepe. Option B, Pepe, is the correct answer. As we said, Pepe is really a 4x4 truck with a custom paint job that reads Little Mule on the side of it. Up to this point in the movie, very few people spoke English, which makes us wonder why he chose to paint the words Little Mule on the side of his truck in English. Huh. Go figure. I can't hurt my favorite pig. And finally, what is the name of the band that broke up in the issue of Rolling Stone magazine? Man, the Doobie Brothers broke up. When did that happen? How long have you been down here? Oh, man. The correct answer is A, the Doobie Brothers. Romance in the Stone was released in 1984, and the Doobie Brothers broke up in 1982, which means Jack has been out of the loop for two years. Many people point to when Michael McDonald left the Doobie Brothers that broke up the band. Michael McDonald has also performed as a prominent backing vocalist on numerous recordings by artists including Steely Dan, Christopher Cross, and Kenny Loggins. However, the most recent credit for him that the judges could find was when he appeared in the seventh studio album for the band, Toad the Wet Sprocket. I wonder what he's up to these days. All right, guys, it's going to be a long night of Border Patrol, so I brought along Michael McDonald to help us out. How's he going to help us? He's going to do backup vocals for everything we say. How's he going to know what we're saying? know what we're saying? Is he going to do it for all yes, of us? Yes, he's going to do it for all of us. Yeah, I hired him for the night. Yeah, it costs like two fifty an hour, so don't skip on the conversation. Don't skip on the conversation. That sounds nice. Let's move on to round three. Round three. I'm the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. Our special guest host this episode is a friend of mine and was recently on an episode of the podcast. Please welcome special guest host, Darren. Thanks for being on the show, Darren. Welcome to the guest host chair. Thank you. It's going to be interesting. I dashed off a handful of questions with quite a few bonus questions mixed in there. So we'll see if this soars or if this, uh, you know, completely tank. We'll, we'll see. We're going to start with a comedy classic, Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. If you're familiar with the movie, there is a baseball game being played. As they are about to begin the show, there are three shots of Major League Stadiums. They use three different stadiums in that shot. I'm going to have you try to figure out which one was not used. So your multiple choice. Do they show a shot of Wrigley Field? That's A. B, Anaheim Stadium. C, Dodger Stadium. Or D, Fenway Park. Which stadium is not shown as one of the site for that baseball game? Those are all, I mean, apart from Angel Stadium, I wouldn't call that iconic. But the other three are more along the lines of iconic baseball stadiums, two in Southern California where they filmed it. So it makes sense that they would show both Angel Stadium and Dodger Stadium in my mind. I think Wrigley is a better looking ball field. So I will say they probably did not show Boston. We'll say Fenway. Fenway. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Nice. They, They used an interior shot of Wrigley Field. They showed an exterior shot of Anaheim Stadium. But the game itself was played in Dodger Stadium. 
Oh, did not know that. For a bonus. I did not know that. For a bonus question here, what two teams play that game? Okay, great. There's the Seattle Mariners, and they played the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, Disney's corporate <laughs> California baseball team, Angels. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct as well. Now, nice. here, here is your ultra, ultra difficult question. What two professional baseball players were used in the filming of that baseball game? One should be easy, one not so easy. Well, one of them was a Manchurian candidate and the great Reggie Jackson. Correct. And, I mean, OJ played football, so they can't go with him. I don't know how much baseball he played. Yeah, this is getting obscure. I will give you a hint. He was a one-time Dodger who is known as one of the funniest, craziest baseball players ever. One-time Dodger? Mm -hmm. Okay, then I'm glad I got the hint. This is a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. I obviously don't know it off the top of my head. I don't follow baseball nearly as close as you do, Darren. It's kind of hard. Yeah. For me to to get the you got that, Reggie Jackson though that hint yeah yeah you got to get Reggie Jackson or else you know come on now mm-hmm. um did this Dodger have a candy bar named after him no he did not because that's all the baseball players I know they all have candy bars named after him <laughs> I'm just gonna go with uh uh Steve Sachs Steve Sachs is not the correct mm-hmm. answer again a little obscure this was gonna be a tough one. The name is Jay Johnstone. And this game's underway. Dave Spiewak, ready to face Jay Johnstone. Oh, dang it. If there was a multiple he's, choice, I would have got that. Okay. He's the leadoff hitter for Seattle. And yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have got it. Frank Drebin, right, right. like molest them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, moving along. Again, probably my favorite guilty pleasure sitcom of Generation X. Is Three's Company. Come knock on our door. Come knock on door. I'm going to ask you the names of the two spinoffs from Three's Company. One point each. That would be uh, when Jack opened up Jack's Bistro. He went on to star in a show called uh, Three's a Crowd. That's correct. And that, I believe ran for 22 episodes before being canceled. Mercifully canceled, as I recall. <laughs> and uh, the other one was uh, when Mr. Furley took over, the Ropers went off and did their own thing, and the show was called The Ropers. That's absolutely correct. So there's your two points. Now, for the obscure, super, super difficult bonus question, there was a famous actor who has 210 IMDb acting credits who was in one of the spinoffs and was actually in three different Three's Company episodes playing different characters. Can you name that actor? So a older actor, he was in three regular episodes. Correct. Playing different characters. Different characters. And what was the other bit? It was um, co-star on a spinoff. If you need one more, he was the Ropers next door neighbor. Like most of America, (laughs) I did not watch the Ropers. Yeah, this is a tough one. I um I I don't know off the top of my head, so I'm gonna have to come with someone's name, and I'll go. Um, I don't know, Ted Knight, because I would mm-hmm. want him to be on the show. Again, super super obscure here. There's there's absolutely no uh, shame in not knowing this one. It was Jeffrey Tambor? Oh, you don't deserve a a buzzer for that. That's probably the toughest bonus question that you're gonna get. Yeah, that's a that's a good question though. That yeah. that's gettable, I think. 
That's the, that's that's an A plus question, I think. You'll get nothing and like it. So Darren, thanks so much for sitting in on this episode. Hope you had a good time doing it. Thanks. Absolutely. I'll next time I'll uh, do a little bit more multiple choice. I'll make things uh, not gettable for the host, let's say, <laughs> but maybe not as obscure. All right. All right. I'll be watching it. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. If you would like to try your hand in guest hosting this segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, just like Darren did here today, then send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Or even better, go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a voicemail. Just tap on that blue microphone icon in the lower right part of your screen and leave us a message. It's free to use and your voice might be featured on an upcoming episode of the show. Speaking of which, we don't have a clever name for this guest host segment yet. If you can think of a fun Gen X name to call it, then that would be something cool to leave us on the voicemail. Really, anything you have on your mind about the show, our generation, or whatever you want to share with us is free game for the voicemail. We're looking for trivia questions first and foremost, but feel free to reach out and just say hi. The last segment of the challenging stage is giving answers to the power struggle from past shows. But before we do that, let's hear time to change. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, have you ever thought about giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you found us? We found a listener who has on Apple Podcasts, and Halo fan in Tulsa writes, Saving a generation one question at a time. I'm not a big podcast listener, but I'm hooked on this one. Love the format, the banter, and the obvious thought and energy put into the project. Well done. Thanks, Halo fan in Tulsa. Reviews like yours really help others find the show. So please spread the word about the podcast and your review might end up on an episode just like this one was. We look forward to reading about what you think about the show. Thanks so much. We now return to the Daffy Speedy Show. Before we leave, we're going to reveal the answers to a past show power struggle. In episode number 27, Megan versus Steve, Stop Ruining My Childhood, we had a power struggle question and it sounded a little something like this. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Are you suggesting that I'm not who I say I am? I'm suggesting that you leave before I have to get snooty. He tasks me and I shall have him. I have to push the pram a lot. Let's reveal the answers now. Clip one was Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Clip two was the theme from Fat Albert. Clip three was from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I have to get snooty. Clip four was Ricardo Montalban from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And finally, clip five was from Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. We will reveal more Power Struggle answers in future episodes of The Challenging Stage. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. And now, Who Will Save Generation X presents, Zabe Does Not Know How to Read. Joan causes a bus crash by crashing... That's right. Joan causes a bus crash... Crash. But... Joan causes a bus... Bus crash. It's hard to say that. What what is the name... What is the name of the corrupt... What is the name of the corrupt... Question one. Michael McDonald has also performed as a prominent backing vocalist 
on numerous on numerous recordings by artists by numerous rec- <laughs> our special ghost special ghost John Wilder Vision Wilder Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.